Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Awesome. Well, for those who may not know me, I'm Katie Calloway. I'm the kids pastor here at PSCC. My husband, Chad, and I, we have been here for just over eight years now. And I love that we call this place home. I, for some of you, um, may or may not know, I just came back from kids camp. So what we, I do there is actually I'm the administrator for the kids camp for the district. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years. Actually, when I came here, I, you know, was serving in kids. And for a couple of years, I knew that I really just wanted to get connected into this camp thing. But there was always, like, I couldn't afford it. We couldn't take time off work. We just, the time wasn't there, all of that kind of stuff. And then um, I actually got asked to come on staff part-time four years ago. And I was like, that's it. This is the year I'm going. So I decided, all right, I'm going to take one week off unpaid from my other job and just go to camp. So I went there as a cabin leader or a counselor. And God broke my heart for camp. He really did. And I just knew from that moment forward that there was something special that happened at kids in camp away from their parents, in a different environment, really working out what God had for them outside of who they are in their family context, but as an individual, like what is their plan for their life? And so I'm like, okay, I love camps now. I want to be more involved. I just knew that next year I wanted to get maybe on staff and kind of see how camps work from the inside. So there was an interim director And he asked me to come on as the assistant administrator, which I was like, fantastic. I get to see how it all works, build it up from the ground up. Little did I know, two months later, I'd be the lead administrator, and I would really have to know how things work from the inside out. So that year was definitely a transition year for me with camps. Um, But the more we got into it, the more I knew God was doing something special. So for the last two years, or really three, I've been the lead administrator for kids' camp for our district, and I loved it. Last year at camp, God started speaking to me and the rest of the camp staff about what this year's theme would be, which was upside-down kingdom. This world that we live in is crazy. All you have to do is click on the news. (laughs) And we just knew that we wanted to give tools and equip these kids to live an upright life in an upside down kingdom. So what I would love to do is actually share a video that just summarized what happened this year at kids camp. So please watch with me. Hi, my name is Joe Bullman. I'm the lead pastor at Gig Harbor Foursquare and I serve as the Seattle area kids camp director for impact camps. Impact Kids Camp comes together each summer and puts on a five-day camp for students that are in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. This year's theme was Upside Down Kingdom, and our theme verse was Romans 12.2. We talked to the students how they shouldn't be conformed to this world, but they should be transformed by the renewing of their hearts and minds. The kingdom that they are living in is upside down from the kingdom of God. We talk to our students about how they need to live in an upright kingdom, following the Lord. We gave opportunity for salvation. We had 16 students ask the Lord into their heart for the very first time. We had 23 students rededicate their lives to the Lord. We gave opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we had 83 students respond. 
Out of those 83 students, 16 students received their prayer language, and 31 were called to ministry. A number of our staff, including myself, first received their call to ministry at a camp just like this. It's so great to see adults serving in the same area where they were called to ministry. And that's where you come in. If you're a Foursquare church in the Seattle area, we want to invite you to be a part of Impact Camp. We want to ask you to send leaders that can help minister to our students. We want to invite your staff members to come and be a part of planning next year's camp. Next year, we're going to be focusing on a theme called The Generations. We're going to talk to our students about the power of generational transfer. And we are so excited to see what the Lord reveals to us within this theme. The dates for next year are July 24th through the 29th, 2017. If you'd like more information about our camp or see how you can get involved, check out our website at nwimpactcamp.com. We are so excited for this next year and what the Lord has to say and do. And we truly want to invite each of our Foursquare churches to be a part of Impact Kids Camp. Once again, you can check out our website at nwimpactcamp.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you at the next camp. Blessings. Camps. I love camps. Come on, I deserve a round of applause. <clears throat> Not sure if you heard some of the numbers. This year there was 16 first-time salvations, 23 rededications, which is amazing. It's amazing. But maybe that seems a little low if you've ever listened to the numbers of previous years. You see, this year at Kids Camp, we had kids come in who maybe weren't making that first-time decision, but they had already had salvation from the Lord, and they wanted more of Him. They were hungry for more of God. Because this world, it's an upside-down kingdom. And they know that they need to rely on a God who is bigger than that. And so, maybe one of the other numbers you heard was that there's 31 kids who received a call to ministry. That's a big feat. Just to give you an example, last year there were three. That's over a tenfold increase for what God is doing in the lives of our kids. Something big is happening in kids' camps. You see, the thing is, is that in this upside-down world that they're living in, they're being called to walk in it. They're being called to walk out this Christian life in front of others in this crazy world. Walk in it. There was a time that I was asked to walk in it, walk in obedience, actually. Many people ask Chad and I, like, how we came back here. My husband is American. His mom's actually here with us today. And we, uh, he had lived in Australia before I met him. So we met and got married in Australia. We've actually been married for just over 10 years and been together for 14. And oh, thank you. <laughs> He's smiling and nodding. That's okay. <laughs> and so when we met in Australia... We knew that God had called us into our church. And so, um, actually, he's the one who led me to the Lord by bringing me to a church, which was amazing. God had a plan for Chad and I. 
And so we became very heavily involved in our church in Australia, which was Triple C or Christian City Churches. And what I loved about that is that um, I was able to join the worship team and be able to lead others into worship. We were like heavily committed into this church. And so then we got this amazing opportunity. Before we got married, I came over to meet the family. <laughs> A little daunting, but that's okay. You know, just traveling half across, way across the world to meet his family for the first time. And so we came on this wonderful trip. So the first trip before we moved here was like 10 weeks, which sounds like a lot. And it was, and it was amazing. And so I got to come here, and my first time that I met his Grammy was at 1 a.m. in the morning after we drove from L.A. down to El Paso, Texas, and her hair was in curlers. And she welcomed me at the door for Thanksgiving. And so I got to experience this amazing Thanksgiving um, celebration with you guys, and then we made our way up to Tacoma, where we got to have a very cold Christmas. So for us Aussies, Christmas is usually over 100 degrees. Like, not used to it. So I got my fairy tale. I got a white Christmas, my very first Christmas in America. It didn't stick, but hey, it was snowing, so for me that counts, okay? <laughs> I loved it here. It was wonderful. So then the next time we came was for an eight-week trip. Again, a great time just connecting with his family, getting to know the area a little better. Then we got married. And then a couple years later, we decided to come back, and God was stirring something in our hearts. And so on this last trip, which was only a month, which, yes, seems like a long time, but for us Aussies, that's what we get a year, is four weeks paid leave a year. So I actually got to do that. And so we came over, and God was just stirring something. And we're like, okay, what are you trying to say, Lord? We were at this stage where we're looking, are we going to buy a house in Australia or are we going to move to America? <laughs> and so we prayed about it. Chad actually did a job interview right before we left. Actually, we drove up to SeaTac, did the interview, and then drove all the way back down to California to fly out. And they said, yes, we'll hire you if you come. Great. So we went home. We started applying for all the papers to get my green card. We knew that it was going to be about three months. And so it's like, okay, we can do this. We're going to be separated. Chad was going to be my sponsor. So he needed to come to America and start earning so he could be my sponsor. So financially that he could support me here. And so he did. He left and I was starting to pack everything up and get ready to move. Seven months, two days later, I was able actually to fly into the States. <laughs> it was a long time. It was a long wait. But it was worth it because I knew God had something big and special planned. It wasn't an easy move. I mean, I left all my family and friends to come here and start all over again. Like I said, we were getting ready to buy a house. So we were established. We had everything. We came here with a bed, some boxes, and my clothes. It was a big move to walk in it. So me being the planner, I, um, I was like, okay, taking our time. Two weeks before I left, I'm like online looking, all right, we can find a sister church of the one we're at. It's in Renton, which is I think about half an hour away and I'm kind of used to traveling that, so that's all right. Got here, first weekend, went to look it up. The place didn't exist. I don't know what happened, whether it was absorbed by another church, whether it was renamed, I don't know, but the place didn't exist. So for a couple of weeks, I'm like twiddling my thumbs. I'm like, okay, God, my plan was um, 
I was the worship leader in Australia, so I was going to come here, get connected with a church that I kind of already knew, join the worship team, and that's it. I'd be connected because, you know, the way to make friends is to serve and start walking it out with people. Okay, yep, that's my plan. God thought that was funny. <laughs> so <laughs> I came here. I, didn't, I was no longer working in childcare, which is my background. And so actually since I was 17, I've been working in childcare. And so I was like, all right, we're having a break from that. I got a job at Starbucks. And so as I came to PSCC, like I said before, we felt at home. We really did. I didn't want to do the church shopping thing. I wanted to get planted and connected into a church and get to know people. I wanted to make connections. So got here, got talking to some people, made some friends. I'm like, went to join the worship team, and I went to, I think, one or two of the rehearsals. And God very clearly spoke to me and said, your time for worship leading is done. I want you to serve in kids' ministry because you're not working with kids anymore. Okay, right, Lord. Some of you thinking, yes, I've got a background in children and childcare, but that scared me. Kids' ministry scared me, okay? I could lead people into worship. I felt comfortable doing that. Talking about God to kids who ask questions, not so much. <laughs> it was a stretch for me. So, in obedience, I started serving in kids' ministry, and four years later, I was asked to come on staff part-time to help with the children's ministry. And here I am, the last three years, being the children's pastor. You see, I had to walk out this obedience thing. I had to walk in obedience to see God's purpose for not just me, but the kids that I was starting to lead. What I should have realized is that all along I had been leading people. I'm not just talking about leading in worship. But people look to us, whether we think they do or not. And so whether it was the kids in my daycare, whether it was my colleagues, whether it was my family or friends, I was leading others just by living my life. <laughs> I should have realized that I was leading all along. I'm going to get ready to turn to Acts 3, verse 4, in just a moment, if you want to get ready. But when we lead others, we need to do it out of obedience to God's will for our lives and for theirs. We're already leading. We're already walking in it. But we have to do a little more and maybe become a little more aware of who are we leading. And where are we leading them to? So I'm about to get into this story. And what had just happened is that Jesus had ascended to the right hand of the Father. And then the Holy Spirit came at the time of Pentecost. And so Peter, Peter and John were there, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were full of God's presence and now had this new boldness to lead others to Christ. So, there was this guy, a crippled man, in fact, a lame man, who was um, in the city, and he would get carried from one place to the gate to beg, and then back again. Okay? So, he was being moved back and forward at the gate, begging, and this is where Peter and John come in. And so, they see the man. 
Acts 3. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went to temple with them. I love this story. This guy, this, this lame man, had this miraculous healing. He jumped up, and then with this passion and vigor, he went to church. <laughs> I love it. He was excited. God had set him free through Peter and John leading him into this place of a miracle. Sometimes I think that us, this slightly older generation, I'm not going to go too older just yet. In fact, I'm actually right on the cusp of these millennials and the X Generation X. So, but the millennials, I feel like, get a bit of a bad rap. You know, they're being told that they're entitled. You know, they have that attitude of entitlement, that they're just out for fun, that, you know, they mm, are socially stunted by the technology that's going on. <laughs> I mean, millennials really do get a bad rap. But what if this next generation coming up is not entitled, but a generation who wants to see the big picture for the life and wants what's best for them. What if, in fact, they want the best to have the best plan for their life, maybe even God's best plan for their life? What if they're seeking that? And that's maybe how it comes across as entitled because they don't want to settle. They don't want to settle. Maybe instead of just out to have fun, they actually want to be filled with the joy of the Lord. Maybe they're seeking values to live their life by. <laughs> In fact, that was never more evident to me than this year at camp. You see, Pastor Albert, I think it was on the first or second night of camp, had just given this amazing message that called kids to yearn for God more more, to ask for more of him, more of him in their lives so that they have a purpose, have values to live their life in this crazy upside-down kingdom. So as a response moment, he didn't get them just to stand because they'd been doing that. He didn't ask them just to respond by coming down to the front because they'd been doing that for worship. No, what he asked was out of an act of submission and obedience to the Lord to kneel before him and worship. <laughs> it was amazing. There was this moment. And I would say all but about five kids had come down to the front for this moment to just surrender their lives to the Lord, to have more of him. Everything that they wanted was right there. And so in submission, hands raised, they praised God. And by the end, every single kid in that place was on their knees worshiping. Will you watch this?
it gave me goosebumps. Please don't underestimate this next generation. You see, in the story of the crippled man being healed, I think we see this next generation as the lame man, a little bit hopeless, born into situations that they can't control. But the thing is, is that they don't want to settle. They don't want to settle for what they've been given. They want God's purpose for their life. <laughs> you see, they need us to lead them into a place, to show them the way of how to do it. We need to walk in it so then they can walk in it. You see, Peter and John, who were now filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to lead, didn't want to just leave this opportunity there. I mean, they could have. They could have left it right there. Amazing miracle happened. Man was healed, went to church. <laughs> really awesome story. But they didn't leave it there. No, in obedience, what they did is use that opportunity to see what God was doing in that moment. So he helped them up, walked with him, to the temple, and then they preached a message of salvation through Jesus Christ using the example of his goodness, his power, his glory of the miracle that just happened to the very people who shortly before condemned Jesus to death, to the very people who said, no, release the murderer, crucify Jesus. <laughs> In Isaiah 30, 21. It says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Peter was obedient to what God was doing. You see, this world is looking to us, to us as Christians, to see how we're doing it. How are we living in this world right now? How do we respond? How are we handling the situation? Are we turning to God? Are we praising him in all situations? Or are we kind of turning a blind eye to what's happening and pretending it's not going on? I will admit, <laughs> I rarely watch the news. I hate seeing what's going on in this world. It's hard to see. But we have a God who is so much bigger than this worldly, <laughs> crazy, upside-down kingdom that we need to rise up and walk it out in obedience, leading others to the way, which is Jesus. You see, when we lead through obedience, we can help others. When we are walking out this leadership thing in front of others, we need to be helping others. You see, Jesus, he was a helper. He cared so deeply about each one of us. He didn't just want to leave people in their sin issues and their situations. He didn't condemn them. No, he gave them the opportunity for life through him. You see, the lame man was being carried from place to place, right? You know, 
he was being picked up from town, dropped off at the gate, because it would be the best place for him to beg, you know, the beautiful gate, <laughs> and then taken back each day. I'm sure people were thinking that they were helping him, moving him back and forth, trying to give him the best opportunity for that situation that he was in. I mean, this was the best place to beg. But see, the thing is, is that the people that were trying to help him were allowing him to settle. We're not called to settle. We're called to lead. You see, Peter and John looked at him intently. Looked at him intently. They saw God's bigger purpose for him than being crippled and lying there. There was so much more to him than that. And so what he did is they needed to listen to him and then they helped him. They showed him the way. We've got a next generation who is begging at the gate for more. Are we helping them? The next thing that these amazing leaders, Peter and John, did was to realize that they can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. You see, they just came off this amazing experience being filled with the Holy Spirit, with this new boldness. It wasn't out of arrogance that they're like, oh, and I can heal you through the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, it was through the boldness that the Holy Spirit gave them to be able to set them free. You see, we can't lead out of our brokenness. We can lead out of the power and strength and the wholeness that Jesus has given us. But we can't do it alone. Because we're not perfect. Sometimes we do fall down. Peter and John remembered that to be the best leaders, they had to follow. They had to follow God's will for this man, for this congregation who was in the temple. They needed to follow what God had in mind. Otherwise, what was the point? Peter and John, they weren't afraid to speak truth into the dark places. There was this dark situation. It was a troubling situation. I mean, this crippled man had been like that since birth. He was now over 40 years old. That's a lot of time to maybe get bitter about his circumstance. You know, there was obviously something, you know, stopping him from living out the fullness of his life. He, he was broken. He, he was not perfect. He was lame. But Peter and John came and spoke truth to him. He must have believed at some level on Jesus, otherwise the power, the name of Jesus wouldn't have done anything for him. You see, they addressed the sin issue of his heart. And then he was healed, helped up, and walked. You see, Peter and John had to know the truth to be able to speak the truth into that dark situation. 
You know, you think of the temple situation where the congregation is there, they're worshipping, they're doing what they need to. But these are those people who had condemned Jesus to death not that long ago. So down in Acts 3, verse 17, it says, Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. He spoke truth into that situation. They did a wrong thing. They didn't know any better, but they still did a wrong thing. He was willing to speak truth into that sin situation, but instead of condemning them, he gave them the opportunity to be lifted up and for this new everlasting life in Jesus. Peter and John realized that to be a true leader, that they needed to be obedient, and they needed to be intentional. They could have just walked by the crippled man at the gate. They were on their way to church. Who's ever had that moment where they're kind of like trying to hurry and get to church on time, and nothing wants to get in the way of that? They could have, could have walked right by. But they were intentional because God was speaking to him about this man. I'll give you what I have. He didn't have silver or gold. But they were intentional about giving away the things that they had to him. Others may, may not recognize what you see. It might not be someone else's job to lead that person because maybe God's given you the vision for that person. So who are you leading? You see, when we lead others, we need to walk out the obedience that God has given us by helping others, realizing that we can't do it alone, having the boldness to speak truth into the dark places of their lives, and being intentional about the people that we are leading. Like I said, we are leading whether we like it or not. So when you are intentional, the end game is clear. Last year's theme, and if some of you may remember, was 56th Street to Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Have you been making room for that this year in your life? Have you been making room to intentionally lead others and show them the way? It's not your job to drag them. It is your job to lead them. You see, can you pull up the picture of the reflection for me? Our lives shouldn't just be the way we talk. 
as we, the saying says, talk is cheap. Our lives should be the actions that we live by. You see, I was at camp and I got the privilege of being able to come in to one of the girls' Devo times for one of the um, girls' cabins from our church. And as I was taking a moment to ready myself to walk in, God just stopped me and showed me this. Are our lives reflecting Jesus? You see, our lives should be a reflection of Him. They're a reflection of something, but what is it? You see, when we listen to Him, our lives should point the way to Jesus. The way we live should be pointing to Jesus. I didn't know what God was going to do when he moved me here to Australia. If he told me I was going to be the children's pastor here, I probably would have laughed in your face. But through my obedience to him, I was able to lead and my life show the way to Jesus. What is your reflection showing? Are you are you showing the way to Jesus? Or are you showing something else? You see, when you lead through obedience, not only are you showing the way to Jesus with your life, you are living, but you're showing the and you're you're experiencing the life that God had intended for you. So it's not just about others. It's about his will for you in your life. So now is the time to walk in it. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, I just thank you for the examples that you have given us in your Bible, in your word. And even through the pictures that you give us. Father, this, this picture of reflection, let our lives reflect you. I think there's some people here who may think that they have got some kinks and some ripples in their reflection. That things have gone in the way of, of showing your perfect love. So God, right now, I pray over those people who are worried about the the craziness and the tides of the water in their lives right now. And God, right now, let your Holy Spirit fall upon them and still the waters. Still the waters so that it is a perfect reflection of who you are. Remove any doubt that is in our lives from being a true leader to you. And I just pray that you raise each of us up into the leaders that you have already called us to be and that we have the boldness to walk in it. In your son's Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.